Well, there are a lot of teams vying for that final number one seed, but does anybody want to be the number one overall seed? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, a five times per week National College Hoop Show part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your co-hosts. I'm Andy Patton. He's Isaac Shade, and we are in the greatest month of the year. It's March, Isaac. I am so excited to be continuing to talk about college basketball. It was another fantastic weekend of hoops once again every time we have this conversation we're trying to figure out how can we find 30 how, how can we find only 30 minutes of stuff to talk about on the podcast so many fantastic games want to start talking about the crimson tide talking about alabama and really talking about the kind of competition for those four number one seeds we've seen a lot of teams trying to get into that final spot. And we're going to talk about that a little bit. Big win for UCLA. Purdue escaped with the victory. Texas, really nice win over Kansas. Kind of those teams vying for that final fourth uh, number one seed. But right now we have an issue where it doesn't seem like a lot of teams even want to be number one overall. Houston barely, barely escapes from Memphis, a tricky uh, conference game for them. Of course, Alabama loses at Texas A&M 67 to 61. And, and now we're kind of in a spot where it's hard to know who's going to be number one overall on Selection Sunday uh, when, when the brass makes those decisions. Isaac, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's funny, Andy, how it chronologically unfolded across Saturday and Sunday because we had um, Alabama losing first, like kind of yes. Saturday afternoon-y. And then, uh, so I started tweeting out, I'm like, dude, Alabama doing this. If Kansas wins at Texas today, they're like right. hands down overall number one for me, even if they don't win Big 12. But then they lost, and I was like, all right, well, I guess I'm back on Houston. But I started looking at resumes again, and I was like, man. Uh, and so I, I'll, I'm going to reserve my current thought um, mm -hmm. uh, of who is the actual overall number one. But then Houston barely, as you said, eked out a win at Memphis. And I get it. It's on the road against mm -hmm. a desperate Memphis team trying to secure right. their NCAA tournament hopes. But I want to go to the Alabama of it all. And here's why. Andy, we have gushed and raved, and I'll even say fawned over the Alabama Crimson Tide yes. because they were absolutely crushing people throughout the SEC season. They but looked Andy, unbeatable. Looked unbeatable. Andy, here's the thing. Since that Wednesday, like just shy of two weeks ago, mm -hmm. when all this Brandon Miller news broke, mm -hmm. Alabama is 3-1 and one since then, including that very night. But... In those four games, they won at South Carolina that night in overtime, 78-76, two-point win. They beat Arkansas by three at home. They beat Auburn by five at home. In It took overtime. Overtime. And then yeah. they lost at Texas A&M, as you said, over the weekend. So let me just give you some numbers separating these two halves of their SEC play. First 14 SEC games before this news came out, Alabama was 13-1. and one. Average margin of victory, 23.2 points. And they had 11 double-digit wins and zero overtime games. Just crushing people like grapes. <laughs> but in those four SEC games that I just rattled off since the news came out, average margin of victory is 3.3. Zero double-digit wins and two OT games. This is not the same Alabama team anymore. I'm wondering if I can trust them now. Now, I know in terms of seeding and things like that, we got to take metrics and resume mm -hmm. because we've essentially taken the eye test out of where do we seed teams. Um, but in terms of choosing them in my brackets and how far I'm going to send them, 
I ain't in on them anymore as much as I personally was. And I would imagine others around the country are feeling the same. But the big question becomes, when we look at these three teams that we've had in the rotation for the number one overall seed, being Houston, Kansas, and Alabama, who wants that overall number one? When I look at this, despite them being the team that lost of these three the worst this weekend, I think Kansas has the best resume of these three right now. And I have the Jayhawks, even after losing at Texas 75 to 59, as my number one overall team in the nation heading into championship week. Andy, am I wild? Am I crazy? Am I dumb? Well, you're pissing off a lot of Houston fans. I'm going to tell you that right now. I'm uh, sorry, Kelvin. I'm sorry, Kelvin. <laughs> Shout out Locked On Cougs host Parker Ainsworth. We, maybe we tell him to skip this one. Um, no, I understand 100%. I, I think you look at the overall resume that Kansas has, uh, and you obviously the Big 12 schedule helps them tremendously, but they've picked up a ton of incredible victories this season. Uh, the loss to Texas, it's not a great loss. It's a 16-point loss. You don't love that. But Texas is really, really, really good. They're a very, very good team. And and while I think Memphis is probably a, a better team than the masses might give them credit for, they are not as good of a team as Texas. I, I don't think that that is a even remotely uh, debatable conversation. And, and Houston obviously did win that game. Shout out Jamal Shedd for hitting a game winner there. Uh, I, I'm, I'm desperately needed game winner for Houston. But for me, I'm probably still going to put Houston on the one line at this point or on the number one overall seat. Obviously, they're going to be a one seat <laughs> as well. Um but it does depend, and it kind of depends how how the tournaments go because the AAC tournament is, is going to be different. If Kansas wins the Big 12 tournament, they will have won the Big 12 tournament by playing some really, really legit elite opponents. The same can be said for Alabama if they win the SEC tournament. If Houston wins the AAC tournament, A, it's, bit, it's a bit more expected, which doesn't make it necessarily easier. It doesn't mean that, oh, like a, a loss is devastating for them, but if all three of these teams win, you have to factor in what those victories look like for Alabama, for Kansas, versus what they mean for Houston. Even to that matter, talk about some of the other teams we're going to talk about. Same with Purdue, same with UCLA. Like if they win their conference tournaments, like I don't think that any of those, either of those two teams would jump over Houston. I, I don't think that that's no fair necessarily, but you know, winning those conference tournaments is a little bit different. So it kind of creates it creates an interesting situation as we look at what those four number one teams are going to look like. Because right now, it feels like a whole bunch of teams want to be fourth, but there aren't a whole lot of teams who want to be number one. And then somebody's going to have to end up being in that spot. And it's just, I mean, going back to Kansas, if they win the Big 12 tournament, as you just said, they will have 18 quad one victories, Andy. 18 <laughs> quad one victories. That is just stupid. So let's switch the conversation to what you just said. We've looked at this number one overall. We think those three teams are probably locked into the top three one seeds, barring maybe Houston losing in the AAC tournament right. and UCLA winning the Pac-12. I could see maybe at that point, but that's all speculation. As for the fourth number one seed, it seems right now like it's between UCLA, Texas, and Purdue. There could be somebody else that sneaks in. I, I can say that. Sure, why not? But it's going to be one of these three schools, right? Like they have the three best next resumes. Mm -hmm. uh, Purdue's been right there most of the season. Yep. Texas has racked up all these great wins that you've talked about, including that double-digit win over Kansas on Saturday. And UCLA, Andy, just won the Pac-12 by four games where are you going if you had like let's say today was the end and we were seeding the field 
who's your fourth number one right no, I'm now? Glad, I'm glad it's not today, and I don't have to make that decision quite yet. Um, but I, I, I do my drink, Andy. Don't make me laugh when I'm drinking. <laughs> I, I think I'd go with UCLA. I think I'd go with UCLA here, and I, and I think it's close. Obviously, I think the difference between the second or third number one seed and the second or third number two seed, quite honestly, is very very close. All those teams are kind of pretty equal right now, but. UCLA, like you said, they won a major conference by four games. Yes, it's the Pac-12. Yes, the Pac-12 is pretty down. Outside of Arizona, they're pretty down. There's, they're probably going to end up squeezing a third team into the big dance. It's probably yeah, going to be USC, uh, but that's it. And the fact that they were not guaranteed to get a third seed into the NCAA tournament for the majority of the season tells you a lot about where the Pac-12 is from a basketball perspective. But it doesn't mean that UCLA's accomplishments should be taken down at all. UCLA has been incredible all season long. I mean, they've been truly, truly fantastic. Big victory over Arizona State. Uh, they got a win over Arizona, a nine-point win over Arizona on Saturday. That was a big win for them. Uh, the injury to Jalen Clark is the biggest kind of factor for me. Yeah. And I don't know how much it'll factor into the decision makers in terms of where they get seated, but obviously it's going to have a significant impact on how far I'm willing to select them to go in March if he's still hurt, if he's missing games. I mean, he's a, a huge part of what that team does. And if he's not out there on the floor for them, I'm much less likely to advance them very far in the tournament, but that doesn't take away from what their resume has been up to this point. Uh, Purdue, obviously fantastic resume as well. We saw them go through that, that significant dry spell a few weeks ago. They seem to have kind of pulled out of that a little bit. Uh, they won at Wisconsin. That's a big win, a, a desperate Wisconsin team for them to pull a victory. There is, is significant. I think it's kind of between those two. I have Texas slightly below even after the win against Kansas, I think that we've just seen a little bit of inconsistency from them. The ability to shoot the basketball hasn't always been there. Uh, they've dropped some games that they you know, maybe shouldn't have dropped. The Big 12 is, is never easy in any capacity. But I have them just below where I have UCLA and Purdue. But again, I think that this is going to be a year where the two seeds are going to be really, really strong. Not necessarily stronger than the one seeds, but I think that it's going to be a competition. And I think so much of that is, is to your point about like, glad we don't have to make those decisions right. today. Cause the, the, whoever wins these conference tournaments could play it. Like if Texas rolls through the big 12 and wins that thing, it's going to be hard to keep them out of that number four slot. Mm -hmm. But Andy, if I have it correct right now, you would put of the, of four, five, six, you would go UCLA, Purdue, yes. Texas. Is that fair? I'm yes. right with you. That that's how I would slot this too. Obviously the Jalen Clark of it all, mm -hmm. and especially how that might affect UCLA this week in the Pac-12 tournament, that that could be a factor in it. But but I'm going to go with you there. And it seems like the biggest difference uh, that we have between us is um, right at number one overall, where I would have Kansas, you would have Houston, and then we both have Bama at three. Is that yes. where you're at? Yep. Okay. Love it, love it, love it. So that's where our top six stand. How about this, Andy? On Saturday, we get all 10 Big 12 teams playing every Saturday. I love that. There were four games that featured at least one AP-ranked team. And in the Big 12 on Saturday, the four better AP-ranked teams all lost. What on earth happens? How do we sort out the Big 12 and how they're going to perform in March? We're going to talk about that in just a second. But first, let me tell you about Built Bar. Hey, you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories? Then you got to try a Built Bar. If you're like me and you want to eat healthier without sacrificing the taste, then I've got the thing for you. And it's built because with built, healthy is actually tasty. 
And why is it so good? Well, first off, they're covered in 100% real chocolate. And they come in these great flavors like churro, peanut butter brownie. And I'm not sure how Built does it, but honestly, they taste great while maintaining amazing macros. Just 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. And Andy, I need that right now because the Shade family is starting to try to get into swimsuit shape literally today. It's a terrible day to do it right before we get to March Madness, but whatever. Uh, I've got my my wife sent me a challenge on my watch. It's a whole thing that we're starting today. And listen, now, folks, you don't have to wait around for these bars to come from Built.com because you can run on down to Sam's Club or Walmart and get yourself a little tiny four count or go big on the bulk at Sam's Club. So get you some Built Bars. You won't be disappointed. Uh, Built Bar a proud sponsor of the Locked On Network. Okay, Andy, I want to skate through the results of what happened in the Big 12 of Saturday, but let me give you those just so everyone can hear it. And then I want to ask a question about just the state of the Big 12 and where these teams are at. So again, we had four games that featured at least one ranked team. We've already touched on Texas beating Kansas. So that was the one game between two ranked teams, but the lower ranked team beat the better ranked team in that one. Then we had Iowa State over Baylor, 73-58. to And this game was at, at Baylor in Waco. West Virginia getting a huge bubble win to, I think, solidify themselves into the tournament at, uh, excuse me, at home against Kansas State, 89-81. to And then Oklahoma over TCU there in Norman. I don't think Oklahoma's in. But it's uh, it's a tough uh, again another loss for TCU seventy four to sixty and then in kind of an elimination game I think Oklahoma State beats Texas Tech seventy one to sixty eight I think the Cowboys are still on the outside looking in personally but uh, it remains to be seen by the way quickly we learned on Sunday that Texas Tech's coach Mark Adams is going to be suspended for some length of time for some insensitive comments. He made it to a player. That's all we have on it at this point. We'll obviously talk about it more as that news unfolds. Uh, Texas Tech and their coaches and former coaches, not a great look this season so far, Andy Patton. So here's the big question about the Big 12. We saw what happened on Saturday. I think it's like it's like senioritis. You get to the spring of your senior year, and these teams are just like, man, I'm I'm done. I'm out. I hate, I, like I'm so over this conference right now. Just get us to this tournament in Kansas City, and then sweet Jesus, baby Lord, can we get to the NCAA tournament? And so my question is this: Are these Big Twelve teams going to leave conference play and go beat up on everyone, as the conference records would suggest, because they're the best conference in basketball? Or have they all just been beat up so much by this gauntlet? that they're just mentally taxed and done and just want to go on summer vacation. Where do you think these, and I, I know I'm asking it at the big picture level and it's not mm-hmm. allowing for much individualization. So you'll have to drill down on that yourself, mm-hmm. but give me an answer to that question. Yeah. I think, I think the big 12 is going to perform fine in the NCAA tournament. I think they're going to do well. And I think that that fear is understandable. Yeah. And I think that there's a possibility. I mean, there's, there's going to be lots and lots and lots and lots of Big 12 teams in the NCAA tournament. It's going to feel like dang near all of them because it's going to be dang near all of them that are <laughs> playing in March. But And they're all going to perform differently, obviously. It's, this is you know These eight teams are not going to be the Elite Eight necessarily, but they're also not all going to lose in and the first round. And matchup dependent as it all, all those things. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but I do think that for the most part, the Big 12 is going to be fine. I, I think that these teams have... 
yes, they've beat up on each other pretty significantly. And yes, when you see a result like a, a hot Baylor team that's kind of on the precipice of being a two seed uh, get beat by 15 points, that's a little startling. And when you see a team like Kansas, who quite honestly probably would have been the favorite to be the number one overall seed unanimously had they beat Texas, yeah, yeah, instead they get beat by 16. And I think when you see those results, you start to think, oh my goodness, what is going on? Like, are these, like you said, are these teams just packing it in? Are they beat up? Are they exhausted? And and there's kind of this concept of, of cannibalism that we see conferences go through in the past. And usually what it is, is it's teams getting, they, they suffer a, a catastrophic loss to a, a not very good team in their conference. Stanford beating Arizona. It didn't completely derail Arizona's season, but that's the kind of game that we're talking about. The Big 12 doesn't really have those games because yeah. the worst teams in the Big 12, even if they beat the best team, it rarely destroys their resume all that much. So I think these Big 12 schools are going to be fine. There's a few that I'm worried about. I'll be honest. I'm worried about Baylor. Really? Baylor has yeah. their defense is, is bad like not just like bad for a big 12 school or bad for a top 10 school like, bad, it's just bad. it's just bad like it's not a good they're not a good defensive team they have very little rim protection they have very little offense from their from their front court they basically rely pretty exclusively on their three guards uh and and they're a well-coached team i believe in scott drew i just I, i'm not sure that the roster construction here is the kind of roster that's going to get them to a national championship like they had two years ago they just don't have that kind of team um, so I'm a little bit worried about them, but not as much because of them losing to Iowa State as much as like, I think that this is just a flaw on this team that we have seen crop up a handful of times this year and somebody is going to exploit it in March. But then you look at somebody like Kansas State, like on paper, you might look at them losing to West Virginia and think, oh, that's a that's a really bad loss for them. Like, are the Wildcats in trouble? I'm like, I'm not, I'm not that worried about it. No. Bob Huggins is a good coach. West Virginia is no. a good team. Uh, yeah, you don't want to go on the road and get 90 hung on you. Like, that's never good. But I think Jerome Tang's a good coach, and I think that this team is, is probably going to learn from this in a way that I have a little bit more confidence they might be able to actually, like, carry some momentum if they have an, a strong performance in the Big 12 tournament and actually do some damage when we get into the tournament. So, again, the, the, the situations are always a little bit different. But by and large, I don't think that the Big 12's the, – the challenge of their conference schedule is going to – negatively impact these teams when we get in the NCAA tournament. And keep in mind with Baylor, uh, Keontae George was back on Saturday. Yeah. Like, yeah. so we can't give that excuse of, Oh, they're down. You know, they're super. No, he was playing. Now I, what percent is he healthy? Great sure. question. I, I obviously can't answer that, but he was healthy enough to play and mm -hmm. they still lost in that fashion. So to put numbers on it, Baylor's defense is 90th right now at Ken Palm defensive efficiency. The lowest next rank big 12 defense is Texas Tech at 50, Texas Tech, isn't that weird, at 55th. Um, and so, uh, listen, Andy, I share those concerns gravely about Baylor. And if I can flip that offensive-defensive conversation in a similar vein, the team outside of Baylor that concerns me most is Iowa State. They have tripped and stumbled over their own two yeah. feet down the stretch. Uh, you know, we, we just said about how great Baylor's offense is, is versus their defense. Iowa State's the exact opposite. Their defense is uh, Ken Palm seventh in defensive efficiency. Their offensive efficiency, Andy, any guesses where Iowa State is? I'm going to tell you it's worse than where Baylor's defense is ranked. Like 110th? <laughs> Just 101. Dude, oh like they're outside the top 100 in offensive efficiency. Like that's just not yeah, going to get it done. Not to mention no Caleb Grill now. And mm -hmm. uh, like I know you've got Gabe Kausher and a whole host of other guys, but Man, I, I just worry about Iowa State stepping in. I know they 
picked up. I can't even remember who it was now, but got a good win midweek. I'm pulling it up in real time. Uh, beat Baylor. That's who it was. Well, yeah. uh, there we go. So Baylor, you know, I guess it has dropped uh, mm-hmm. those multiple games now. But man, Iowa State is the team I'm worried about in terms of like actual performance yeah. in March. Andy, right now, I know we're still, we still got the Big 12 tournament to go. Give me a number. End of the day, how many of the 10 Big 12 teams are dancing? Eight. <laughs> Eight is my guess. Okay. Um, I, I think I think Tech's out. Uh, I think Oklahoma State is. Yeah, those are the two probably out. Yeah, yeah. I, I think, think else is in there, Oklahoma right? are the definites that are out. Right. Like West Virginia's in, right? Say it again. West Virginia's in, right? I, I think. would put West Virginia yeah. in, and then Oklahoma State's the big question mark. So yeah. it's seven, pending what Oklahoma State can do, could get to eight. Since you're yeah. saying eight, I'm going to go with seven just so that I can be right and you can be wrong. And uh, <laughs> I'll accept it. <laughs> And we'll move forward from there. Well, Isaac, it is Monday. And on Mondays, we typically do our six pack. And as we have been doing the last couple of weeks, our six packs feature extra bubbles this week as we're going to talk about games that had significant impacts on the NCAA tournament bubble and the five teams that are officially going to go dancing that we know of as of this moment. Choo-choo-cha-cha. All right, let's talk Big Ten because we just spent a lot of time talking about the Big 12. And one of the conversations that we kind of have had a lot about the Big 12 is, is how talented this conference is, how many right. teams we might put in the big dance, and also just like how how much respect they're getting from the committee. I mean, we're talking about their seventh or eighth place teams potentially making the NCAA tournament. We just talked about that. And so for, <laughs> for the Big Ten, we kind of see that conference get treated somewhat similarly in a lot of ways. Many times when looking at bracketology reports this year, whether it's from Joe Lenardi or from Lucas Harkins, former guest of the show, or really anybody else, Jerry Palm, who, who does tournament bracketology, the Big Ten and the Big 12 often have the same number of teams dancing. And I'm here to tell you right now, without trying to be too disrespectful to the Big Ten, the Big Ten is not the Big 12. Top to bottom, it is not. It is not as top-heavy. It is not as dominant throughout the middle. It is not as good even at the bottom. Like It's not as good of a conference. It is still a good conference, and a lot of these teams still deserve to be in the NCAA tournament, but some of the teams that we're talking about on the bubble, it's like, do they even want to make the big dance? Like, do they even want to end up there? And we start off talking about Michigan because Michigan has actively worked very hard in the last few weeks to destroy their chances of making the NCAA tournament in really, really heartbreaking fashion for their fan base. Might I add, they lost double overtime against Illinois last week. And then they lost to Indiana on Sunday in overtime. If they won both those games, they cement themselves in the NCAA tournament. If they win one of those games, they are probably on the right side of the bubble. But they lost both of them. And now they got some significant work that they're going to have to do in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, Other games, Northwestern at Rutgers, Northwestern won that one. They now clinched the two seed. They are the two seed in the Big Ten, Northwestern, Wisconsin, not Michigan, not Michigan State, not anybody else that you can name in the Big Ten behind Purdue. It is the Northwestern Wildcats at the number two seed right now. And then Wisconsin at at Minnesota, that was the other big game. Wisconsin barely, barely escaped uh, in that one. And they are the 12th seed in the Big Ten tournament. And a team that is still kind of getting bubble conversation despite the situation that they're in right now. Really, really interesting conversation around the Big Ten and the Big 12 and kind of what the Big Ten has done the last few weeks to to maybe continue to hurt their chances of, of having a successful run in the big dance. 
all due respect to our, our Wisconsin brethren out there and, and mm-hmm. folks listening in, but Wisconsin should have just lost at Minnesota and put themselves out of their misery. <laughs> would, would have made it a little easier. <laughs> it would have just made it easier. And then they don't have to have the heartbreak on Sunday. Let's move to Auburn and Tennessee. Auburn, Andy, they've, oh my word, they've just been this weird roller coaster without any marquee wins all season long. And I've like have descended firmly into bubble status and it was just out of nowhere. But then on Saturday in Auburn, Tennessee comes to town and the Tigers win 79 to 70 easily their biggest win of the season. And thankfully for them, it comes at the most important time on the schedule. And for me, as Auburn scores 49 points in the second half, which is probably more than they've scored in like 85 of their games this year, (laughs) I believe that Auburn has now locked up. No, that's not firm enough. Not I believe. Auburn has now locked up an NCAA tournament spot. They're good. This was the win they needed to just firm it all up. As Mm -hmm. for Tennessee, I I mean, it's still – I'm just going to keep saying the line I've said all season. Don't trust Tennessee. (laughs) And unfortunately, all the more so now that they are without Zakai Ziegler. Well, moving over to the ACC, we had a uh, epic rivalry game that unfortunately didn't go particularly well for the Tar Heels. Duke over North Carolina, 62-57, low scoring affair between these two high profile programs. And quite honestly, North Carolina needs to make a deep run in the ACC tournament or else they're not going to be dancing this year. They're, they're, you don't need, don't need to bolden that up any more than it already is. That's the reality for Armando Baycott, for Hubert Davis, for the Tar Heels. If they don't win multiple games in the ACC tournament, they might have to go to the championship game. Uh, otherwise, they're not going to find themselves dancing. As for Duke, uh, this team has been on an absolute heater the Six last couple of weeks, playing some really, really good basketball. Kyle Filipowski had 22-13 and 13 in this game against the Blue Devils. Uh, you're seeing a freshman team, a young team, starting to put things together, starting to kind of peak at the right time, and I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Duke uh, make a little bit more noise in the NCAA tournament than maybe people are giving them credit for. These lemon Oreos are now no longer a good luck charm, but a uh, sympathy <laughs> comfort food. <laughs> the comfort food. Yeah. North Carolina scores under 60 points in both regular season games against Duke for the first time since 2009-10, the season when Carolina went to the NIT championship and lost to Dayton. Number four in our six-pack. We move back to the SEC. How about Jerry Stackhouse, Andy? Vandy beats Mississippi State 77-72. to Mississippi State has been right there uh, as part of the last four in heading to Dayton. It seems like that's where Joe Lenardi still has them even Mm -hmm. after this loss. But here's the bigger thing. I don't think it cost Mississippi State a bubble spot. But Vanderbilt has now. Moved into next four out territory. That I mean, that's not in position to be in the NCAA tournament. But my goodness, the fact that they're even in this conversation after uh, this 77-72 victory over the Bulldogs, well done, Commodores. Nashville is rocking, Andy. What's happening back out on the West Coast? Well, USC, I think, finally firmed up their spot in the NCAA tournament. They've been kind of sitting on the bubble for a long time, and they've been on the right side of the bubble for a while. And then Arizona State was kind of the other Pac-12 team kind of looming. And as we saw this matchup come together, it was like, well, Arizona State could make some legitimate serious noise if they're able to pull an upset here, beat USC, maybe move themselves onto the right side of the bubble and push USC the wrong direction. 
But USC secured the victory. Boogie Ellis, monster game from him. He had 28 points for the Trojans, uh, sent Arizona State pack in. This Arizona State team was weird. They were 20 and 11 in the regular season, which is very, very good, but they were only 11 and nine in conference play. They had that big win over Arizona. That really kind of helped firm up their resume in a significant way. But at this point, I'm not saying their chances are dead. But they're going to need to make some noise in the Pac-12 tournament as well. And as for USC, I think, again, they're in a much safer spot where you're, this is probably going to be a team you find maybe not even in that play-in 11 game. They might have done enough work to get themselves an 8 or a 9 seed and just kind of be comfortably into the big dance. Love it. Speaking of, Andy, it's that wonderful time early in championship week where several yeah. of the mid and low major conferences have already wrapped up their conference tournaments. And so we've got five to shout out, including an NCAA tournament virgin. We've got the A-Sun, out of the A-Sun, excuse me, Kennesaw State, the Owls from my home state, a place where I almost went to college to play baseball <laughs> back in the early 2000s. Way to go, Kennesaw State. Out of the Big South, UNC Asheville. Yep. MVC is Drake. NEC Northeastern, Fairleigh Dickinson. And then the OVC Southeast Missouri State. So congrats to all five of those schools. We've got 27 more conferences left to go, including two that will have their championship games on Monday. So in the SOCON, we get first seeded Furman versus seventh seed Chattanooga, the Mox at seven on ESPN and the Sunbelt championship game, number eight, South Alabama, and still going on right now, the other semifinal. Let me tell you in real time. Oh, Andy, they've closed the gap. We've yeah. got Louisiana, the two seed, 56. Texas State, the 11 seed, 50 with 355 to go. So uh, listen, I'm looking for the madness. I want Texas State to upset yes. this thing. And then we've got an eight versus an 11 seed tomorrow. ESPN two at seven for the championship there in the Sun Belt. So obviously, as we've said, great time of year. So much going on. We're going to have content for you all week long. Don't you fret. We will be here with you. Speaking of which, if you want to make sure you hear all that, do not forget to subscribe to the show on YouTube and anywhere else you get podcasts. If you're watching, smash the like button. Leave comments on your thoughts on the show. As always, my apologies to the lawyer family. And until we talk to you tomorrow, peace.